the truth. Bingo! You are now listening to the facts. Back to Straight Facts, the sports show that educates and entertains. I'm Jules Schmitz, accompanied by James Jackson, Jake Galley. No stat Matt today. He is homesick, so he's crunching numbers virtually today. This past week in sports, LeBron James becomes the first player in NBA history to record a triple-double against all 30 NBA franchises. Gronk announces a new Super Bowl tailgate in Miami featuring Rick Ross, Flo Rida, Diplo, and more. Carmelo Anthony made his NBA return last night with the Blazers, notching 10 points and 4 for 10 shooting, 4 rebounds, and a minus 20 net rating. The MLB announced its season awards last week. MVP's Mike Trout wins his third AL MVP. Cody Bellinger wins his first NL MVP. Cy Young goes to Justin Verlander, winning his second AL Cy Young. Jacob deGrom wins his second consecutive NL Cy Young. And Rookie of the Year goes to Jordan Alvarez for the AL and Pete Alonso winning it for the NL. Here's a fact straight at you. It is no secret the Ravens have been dominant lately. They currently lead the NFL in offensive EPA, or expected points average per play, and are sixth in defensive EPA per play. DVOA has the offense ranked third and the defense ranked 10th. What makes the Ravens a Super Bowl winning team? Well, they're built around the two things that most Super Bowl teams are, uh, a dominant quarterback, and now, now that Marcus Peters is in town, a stifling defense. We talked about that, James, uh, a few episodes ago, where that trade kind of just went like under the radar because the big news was... Uh, Ramsey, Ramsey going to LA, and it's just like, oh yeah, we uh, an all-pro with a throw-in for <laughs> for uh, a got, trade. Got Marcus Peters for pretty much free, right? I mean, it it just made them so balanced, and and we said that when the trade went down, is there's really no no matchup you can exploit when you're playing the Baltimore Ravens on either side of the football, and that makes the team so hard. To go back to Jules' stat, just, you know, some definition, EPA or expected points uh, represents the estimated point value at the start of a given play based on down, distance, and field position. Um, you know, so on any given play, they take into consideration all the context right, so around first it. and 10 on your own 20, you're going to have less expected points. Because you're going to run a different play than style than first, first and, and 10. goal or whatever. Right, they have one of the most creative quarterbacks in the league, and you can't have a conventional, you know, offense, a conventional play type and play calling when you have Lamar Jackson in there because you got to allow his creativity to show. And what marks a great team and a team that will win Super Bowl is you win the games that are close. You know, in, in NFL, it's a game of inches. You can be neck and neck with a team and, you know, the ball might bounce one certain way and that ends up losing you the game. Um, a lot of times, and I don't know how much of that is luck, how much of that is if you want to call it destiny. I remember with the Eagles season noting, like, wow, a lot of things are falling their way. It feels eerily similar with the Baltimore Ravens. I also think that when you look at how good they are right now and contrast it with when Lamar Jackson was drafted, mm -hmm. they were about to enter into the, you know, post being good spiral that you're seeing a lot of teams, you know, you maybe have overpaid for someone, <coughs> Flacco, and <laughs> that's screwing you. You're not able to put together a good team and credit Harbaugh for not only going out on a limb and drafting Lamar Jackson, there were some people, GMs out there, who wanted Jackson to be a running back or a wide receiver. Isn't that they hilarious? They wanted him to be a running back. Harbaugh chose this guy 
ended up having him play instead of Flacco. And the playoffs, too. Right. And then now this season, before the year, everyone was kind of down, not super down on Jackson, but we're just skeptical on if he could be a passer um, rather than just the scrambler running type. And John Harbaugh, to his credit, said, I remember him saying to Ike Reese on the radio, look, you have no clue how good Lamar Jackson's going to be this year. Um, no, and that's and that's a great point that you make about them passing because everyone knows that they're the best running offense in the NFL. But I think what surprises people and especially what surprises defenses sometimes is how well they're able to pass the ball when they not when they need to, but really when they want to as well. I mean, everyone talks about how great their own line is at run blocking, but they also rank second in the NFL in pass block win rate. So the amount of times that they're efficient in pass blocking and not letting people touch Lamar Jackson, they have positive plays when they drop back to pass. And their own line really just gives Lamar Jackson that ample time to throw. And we see that, especially with young quarterbacks, they have the tendency to have one favorite target that they go to majority of the time. Lamar Jackson spreads that joint all around the yard. And we see that, you know, how well it works in their passing attack. And they're probably just as good of a passing team as they are a running team which just makes them so lethal on offense. And it's funny because we've already seen them, like a lot of the time in in years like this where you have the Patriots who are obviously always so good, and then you'll have this new team last year, it was the Chiefs. The question is, you know, what are they going to do when they play New England? How are they going to face New England? And we already got to see. No, I'm scared for if they have to face New England in the playoffs. I mean, that's just how that goes. You know, that's just how it goes. It's how that goes. Playing New England your first time is one thing. Playing New England in the playoffs is is a whole other thing. But then there's a whole third dynamic when you smash those two together, playing New England for the first time in the playoffs. Like, you have to, you don't, you do not know what you're going to get. Like, it's a completely different team. Especially. Oh, man. Tom Brady looked a little shaky this he's week. A little shaky, shaky, baby. Yeah. He did a little shaky. Look a little old. Touchy baby. subject, Jake? No, not yeah, so, I, was, I was in attendance. I was, it was a I was really rough too. game. Yeah, right, right. right. Yeah. I was there too. Um, it was pretty cold, huh? Yeah, it was freezing. Pretty cold of that game. Um, to, to, have, to not have a rooting interest in a game that you're freezing at is a, a whole different there. experience. Right, neither team scoring. Oh, you're just dude, sitting yeah. there watching three and outs. Frozen. But, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, we're obviously going to have to see how Lamar Jackson handles the pressure of being the marquee guy in the playoffs. But when you look at how uh, John Harbaugh has faced up against He's the had Patriots. Some success. He's had some success. They've done them. pretty well. He's 2-2. Right, right, right. All in New England in the playoffs. So uh, let's go in the 2009 wild card round. They actually whipped the shit out of New England, 33 to 14. That was, that's Brady's, Brady's worst playoff. worst yeah. playoff loss. Obviously, all these games are going to be with different, you know, totally different roster, totally different team. But then you go down to the uh, 2011. No, but the 09 Patriots had a good squad. They were. That's they were Aaron, Her- Aaron Hernandez, pre-jail Aaron Hernandez. <laughs> like, killers out there, man. <laughs> I can't believe <laughs> you said that. Um, but yeah, then you look down at the 2011 AFC Championship game new england barely uh was able to edge that one out and remember that's the game that billy cundiff Mm -hmm. misses the 33 yard field goal and they lose so that that could have gone either either way the next year baltimore beats them brady's second worst playoff loss ever 28 to 13 and then new england finally comes back and evens the score in 2014 35 to 31 
But this has proven that Harbaugh, you know, he's a heavy, he's a coaching heavyweight too. Too, he can yeah. go toe to toe with Bill Belichick, no problem. I think some credit needs to be given to Eric DaCosta too, because he's been consistently bringing in that new talent that you mentioned at the beginning of this conversation. He added some serious depth at cornerback with Marcus Peters and a few others. These players have been making serious impacts on opposing offenses. Baltimore is now in contention to be the top defense for the first time this season. Yeah, that, um, and that's that wasn't possible. That wasn't impossible that wasn't possible in the beginning of the season yeah. they had good pieces they had good players they had marlon humphrey who a lot of people liked um well they had good players on that defense but to be the number one overall defense in the league is especially after weeks you know two three or four you were just not thinking about that for the baltimore ravens and there are great defenses in this league right now patriots right. still playing really well the niners still playing really well for all of a sudden the ravens to maybe be the best offense and the best defense in the league simultaneously is like real that's nightmare fuel so like, it's speaking real scary. of the san francisco 49ers they now own a 9-1 record entering week 12 but the NFL playoff picture for 2019 still kind of stands with this game coming up on Sunday versus the pack um the Niners are now second in total points scored and second in total points allowed do you think they should be the favorites to face the Ravens in the Super Bowl should should they be yes I just think like are they like to me I, I, to me, I still see the Seahawks as a team who can win those big close so games above teams. the Niners. Yeah, the NFC's like, really packed. I, I guess, mean, but Saints, but, Packers, Vikings, geez. So, so, so many of them. But, but to, to answer that question, like, should they be the favorites? Yes, you can't overlook a nine and one, a nine and one record, tied for you know the second or tied for the best record in the NFL with the New England Patriots. Um, so, you know, the Niners are, I mean, look, that's a, that's a very good football team who, I mean, they've, they've been in close games against bad teams. Um, yeah. they, they had to pull one out of the skin of their teeth against the Cardinals last weekend. But that's divisional. Like, but I they don't still really win these divisional games, games. But they still had to pull one out against Washington. Nine-nothing, ugly, rainy game against Washington. Yeah, that's a good point. But to that point, I've seen them win them all. I've seen them win the shootouts they have to play against Russell Wilson. I've seen them win the ugly ones they got to pull out. Yeah, and, I mean, just the way that they're comprised, it's funny because it's a lot like the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. Speed, I, speed everywhere. I, I per, Personally, I prefer the Niners' defense to the Ravens um, just because of the playmaking that you have along the defensive line. Nick Bosa has proven year one that he is either as good or possibly better, better than, his than his brother, brother. Better already, than his brother, yeah. which is ridiculous. Um, but they fly to the ball, that defense. And then on offense, they will pound the ball. They have all sorts of uh, run schemes with two running backs on the field. Three, three now. Right, three. <laughs> they like to use their tight ends. Obviously, they have Kittle. But and then Garoppolo's been decent up and down. I don't think we know what he is I yet. I think that's that's the one reason why I'm still a little iffy about the 49ers. Right, it's gonna I, hinge on him because I've seen Russell. Obviously, the top two in the MVP race right now are Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson. I've seen them play great. I've seen Aaron Rodgers play great. I've seen Kirk Cousins at times play great, play elite level. I have yet to see Jimmy Garoppolo really play elite level, really be the reason the 49ers win a game so far. They're winning it because of dominant running. They're winning it because of dominant defense 
There, I don't think there's been a game this year that they've won that you've said, oh, that was because of Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, he's had, I think he's had two that I can remember, where he had the one five-touchdown game against the Cardinals that was pretty good. But again, they blow the Cardinals out, so it's not really like you they need also get two the turn, They also get two turnovers right that game. Right, so like it's like a lot of stuff's going on, and that's not to his detriment, right? No. Because, or that's, that's, you know, the defense, that's a good, you want your defense doing that. And he capitalized um, off of it. So, so I'm not gonna I'm not going to hold him accountable for that. But, but, it, but he's not the sole reason they won that game. I need to see a, a game that Jimmy Garoppolo goes and wins it for the 49ers. And the statistics play that out. I mean, they're, they're second in EPA per play on defense, 12th EPA per play on offense. So clearly the defense is leading the way. But I, I also look at their resilience, and that stems from the coaching uh the coaching staff, I think Shanahan's done a really good job of mentally preparing them. I mean, remember they lost Mike McGlishey, their right tackle, uh, Kyle Juszczyk, who is a big, he's a fullback, but he's a big cog in their offense. Best fullback in the league. And they've had to play without George Kittle for a few games as well. And lost Quan Alexander in the second game of the season. Right, Quan Alexander, and that, right, who I said was just on the offensive side of the ball. On defense, they've obviously been banged up too. They're a deep team. They're a team that is obviously very hot right now, and that's, to me, to me that's what I'm looking for in, in when projecting forward who's going to win i mean the, the next three games is going to tell a lot about who they are and their chances to go on a deep playoff run uh they get green bay at home and then they go to baltimore which i think is going to be the biggest test for both of these teams even though the 49ers have already played the seahawks and the ravens have already played the patriots now we get the two teams that you kind of want to see in the super bowl you get them in a the regular season which i think is a great treat for us hopefully they flex that game talk to me about the saints and then and then they go they go to the saints who let, let's talk to, about the saints next Eight and two, and I think the Saints have been forgotten a little it's bit. It's, more, it's a very impressive it's eight and there. two because of Breeze's injury. Yeah, they, yeah, they've been forgotten a lot. Like people are like, you look up and you're like, oh crap, the Saints are still eight and two, and it's not because Silent Assassin. Silent Assassin. It's not because like Alvin Kamara hasn't blown anybody out the water. Michael Thomas has had a couple of games where he's, he's been had really, really good year. He's, he's had, had a pretty, pretty good year, not blowing anybody out the water. Well, he runs his little five-yard turnaround catches for 95. Yeah, no crap. He doesn't <laughs> drop any balls. He runs five yards from the line of scrimmage and turns around. Jake. You mad? Like, he's what, so like, mad. I, I, Mike Thomas just sticks to Mike Thomas. So it does. Mad. I don't know why I don't like Mike Thomas. So, talk about my 30. Sidebar. Sidebar. Last year, <laughs> right, and I believe it, it might have been on this show that we did this. It might have been on this show right before the Eagles went and played the Saints in the divisional round <laughs> of the playoffs. He did just that. Came at Michael Thomas. So he it was got, worse. It was worse than what I just. Oh did man, there, he so was yeah, hot. Know like, you know that vein that pops face, out of his head. I it was, can see oh, it right it was, now. It, was, <laughs> yeah. it looked like a roller coaster. It was full. <laughs> it was full blown, and he was uh, swore up and down those little five yard routes that Mike Thomas is gonna do. <laughs> he's not gonna. He's not gonna do it against the Eagles. We gonna bust his ass up. I, I think like the first three plays were like twenty five yard pass plays to Michael Thomas. So and, like, wait, wait, wait. So the divisional round, granted, the Eagles actually kind of deed them up. From what I remember, yeah, I saw Jeffrey drop away. Here's from what I remember is talking shit on him before the Saints mangled the Eagles in oh, the regular and, season. Oh, and then last week of the regular and he was season, catching yeah. bombs and shit. <laughs> both like, of them, both of them. Yeah, it was a uh, not the so greatest turn of events. It's a humbling experience. Right, back to the Saints. Back to the Saints. <laughs> well, the Saints that. are preparing to welcome their divisional rival, the Panthers, um, into their stadium this week. How do we think that's going to go? I mean, the Panthers have been on a little bit of a downhill slide. I think it's hilarious that people were 
trying to say Kyle Allen can replace Cam yeah, Newton. Like that that's come to I a, I mean, a I screeching halt. I don't know if Cam Newton's your guy still, but I, I Kyle think Allen's that, not right, it. it's proven that it's not Kyle, Kyle Allen. Kyle Allen's not uh, it. I, the Carolina, here's here's the thing I've learned. I work on a betting show now, you better you bet. When you look at statistically, like when teams underperform and underperform and underperform, eventually they're gonna snap back to around average. Maybe they're still like like eventually teams are just gonna be less than what you expected them to be. But they're still got to meet an average. And if you think, okay, they're not going to be the worst team in the league like they've aggregately been these past couple weeks, that means they're due for eventually a snapback performance where they kind of come back. And most of the time the you pack. snap back against a team you are familiar with, a team you've played exactly. a bunch, and that's a divisional I, game. I'm not going to say that, that, that I think the Saints are going to lose this game, but I wouldn't be surprised. What but I, what but I the, give... Saints, the Saints are coming off a thrashing of my bucks, killing my bucks. And then on the flip side, the Panthers are coming off getting spanked by the Falcons at home. So they, they're both in opposite spectrums right now. And, I, I mean, the, the Saints are an uphill slide. I mean, if you look at where they rank, you know, we talked about the other teams, where they rank eighth in offensive DVOA, fifth in defensive DVOA, which means they're a very, very good balanced team. They don't make a lot of headlines on the defensive end. This is still one of the best defensive teams in football. And you got to remember, their offense is that highly ranked, which pretty which includes those five games that Bridgewater started. Granted, he played very well in those games, but – those numbers probably are diminished a little bit because you don't have Drew Brees in there throwing for 400 to 500 yards a game. If he's in there, this might be a top three offense in the NFL. Yeah, kudos to Sean Payton having them playing. I, this was like when, when Brees went out, I was like, okay, we'll really get to see what Sean Payton's made of. We'll get to see he, both he of them. We'll get to see how good of a team the Saints are, right, not just how good well. you are. Yeah. With Drew Brees, their defense, I think, stepped up a little bit. Cam Jordan should be on an all-pro team this year. He might. Uh, as, he, as he was last year, they're, they're just a, a very good very good and balanced team. Like a quiet 8-2, and two. and I didn't think you could be quietly 8-2, and, <laughs> and they're legit quietly 8-2. I think for the sta- Saints to keep their heads above water, they need to kind of rely on their second stringers from here on out for a lot of reasons. Um, who's the wide receiver? Um, what, Taysom Hill? Are you thinking of? No, the Trey Quant. Uh, right. Um, is it Trey Con- Smith, right? Con Smith. I think they need to rely on him more just because they're, they're roller, they've had a little bit of a roller coaster ride. You're, you're not wrong. They are a very well balanced team, both on offense and defense. And probably, I mean, they've got a f- great record, probably one of the most, probably the most well rounded team in the NFC. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, probably it, one of them, yeah. For sure. So, I mean, what do you, I mean, again, bringing it back to the, game what do you what what would your score be coming out of that game i think they beat carolina i really do and i I think they beat carolina kind of handedly there it's in new orleans um so they they have a leg up there already uh they're gonna they're gonna be really stifling with kyle allen and what makes the saints really good is they're able to get pressure on the quarterback without throwing a lot of blitzes their way which means they have extra insurance in the defensive secondary which for a young quarterback if you're getting pressured and then also have to see six seven dbs at the same time like that's really frightening for you really frustrating for you so i think they really handle business um you know drew Brees is going to look to he's, he's tired of you know losing to nfc south teams they got beat by the Falcons two weeks ago really badly in his first game back. So I think they win. Uh, I'm seeing like a, a 30 to 17 win or something like that at home. Yeah. Um, so I'm not really too good. I, like like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if the Panthers win. If I had to project it, I'd most likely say the Saints are going to win. I'm terrible at projecting scores. This is literally a, so, a guess. Right, me too. So I rely on Vegas. I'm going to guess based off of Vegas's eight and a half point line <laughs> that they're favoring the Saints. 
that uh, the Saints will win by about nine. <laughs> so however you want to take that, nine nothing. I take that as 10, 19, leading on Vegas, score. yeah. 10-19, oh, yeah. a terrible score. <laughs> <laughs> terrible, absolutely terrible score. What about the Packers? What's going on with I'm the Packers? Say, I'm about to say, <laughs> the Saints aren't the only really... Packers and Vikings. I'll give it to the Vikings. True. They're doing... Vikings are still. I called the Vikings my hottest team in the NFL. Was that three Vikings episodes ago? Vikings are eight and three, and the Packers are eight and two. Eight and am I two. Correct? Yeah, you're right. You're right in that. Um, the Vikings got a scare against the Broncos. I mean, I, I was at the Eagles game and they showed it up on the big screen, and I was like, the Broncos are beating these Bulls twenty to nothing right now in the fourth <laughs> they quarter. Came back, yeah. What's going on? And I'm in my office suicide pool. I had the Vikings last weekend, so like that double whammy on this oh, show man. and my office pool. I had a lot. Of, I had a lot of stuff at stake. With the Vikings. Um, but them and the Packers both have eight wins right now. And, you know, the NFC North is probably going to come down to, you know, a Week 16, Week 17 matchup. Uh, last game of the season is, is going to decide them. So right now, DVOA ranks Minnesota sixth in offense and seventh in defense, while it has the Packers fifth in offense and 18th in defense, which is crazy because do you remember the beginning of the year, the first three, four games? We were talking about the Packers' defense as being the best part of their team. And now, what, week 12 going in the NFL season, that's completely flipped on its head. Yeah, and like you mentioned, they're neck and neck right now. Uh, And if I had to, you know, when you're looking at the teams straight up head on, if I had to favor one, I'm going to lean towards Minnesota because it's been proven that the Packers have a really tough time stopping the run, and that's what Minnesota does best. So that's strength on weakness right there. Plus, uh, as Stat Matt laid out for us, Aaron Rodgers is regressing, and uh, Kirk Cousins is now an elite quarterback, <laughs> heavy, according to our guy, Stat Matt. Heavy eye roll over there from Ms. Schmitz on that. She already. It's not over, no, it's over. I'd say the biggest roadblock, uh, well, excuse me, roadblock for the pack is either the uh, 49ers or the Vikings, easily. Yeah. I mean, between all the teams. It's both. There are so many teams that we just laid out on this list where the next two or three games is really going to tell us how they're made up. And I think we got none better than, you know, this coming Sunday night with the Packers and the 49ers, both teams who are, that's a statement win for both of them. So uh, this is why I said the Packers, and I can admit this, why the Packers aren't as well rounded as what I, we just talked wow, about you, with that the is Saints. That is very, very transparent been, it, it seems like, okay, the offense is playing good, but the defense is not. Okay, now the defense is playing good, but the offense, we need to find a nice, happy medium between the two so we can keep it rolling, and I think they need to right? figure that out sooner than later, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. That is very transparent of you. It's something that I don't think Jake could do with the Eagles. Eagles. suck. What do you mean? I watched him in person. Don't get me started. <laughs> don't get me started. Uh, that little outburst is all I need. We can move on now. All right, guys, as much as I love talking about the NFL, Let's head into college hoops. Three conferences are currently tied with four teams in the top 25. The ACC, the Big 12, and the Pac-12. James, I know you love to talk about (laughs) them. I hate the Pac-12. I know you do. What is the best conference in college basketball thus far this year? You were trying to tell me off camera that you get Tell me me who you think, then I'll I'll respond. Um, I mean, if I had to go, like, just pure dominance, most noteworthy, I'd probably off the top of my head still say the ACC. Um, Obviously, you got Duke, North Carolina, the reigning national champion in Virginia. You even go down to teams like Notre Dame um, and Syracuse who, you know, aren't that good when you stack them up against other ACC teams. You put them up against many other teams in the country, and they're better. Like, they're, they're better than most teams. But I think top to bottom, the most evenly balanced team, most evenly balanced conference, and the conference who seems to have a lot of success come tournament time is the Big Ten, who's 
doesn't have many teams in the top 25, as Jewel just alluded to in that last stat. But if you look at you know, the Giants of the Big Ten, they're just all battle-tested. And now you have teams like Ohio State who haven't been good in past years and Penn State who are creeping into the top 25. And in the top 20, Ohio State is top, is what, number 12 right now? Top 15 in the country. Those are schools that have good success in the tournament. I love. I think the Big Ten is one of the best conferences. Yeah. So what? And I. I don't know how much I can contest. Obviously, the uh, ACC is just so stacked, especially at the top um, between Duke, UNC. I mean, they have the biggest rivalries. They're putting Uh... out the most products into the NBA. Or are they? Because when you look at what conference puts out the most NBA players, which to me, I get that the goal of college basketball, college basketball coaches are worried about winning a college championship, and that is it. Maybe their guy's growing as people, but they don't care about if they it's put like players Cali- into the NBA. Really, Calipari is one of the very few coaches who are really worried about their players having NBA success. But if success. you look at, in terms of the average number of NBA players per teams in a conference... Oh, the, you're not about to tell the me. The Pac-12 oh, actually leads everything. It's right behind the ACC. Why do you the hate ACC. the Pac-12? I, it just, like, do you have legitimate reasoning, or just, you just hate it, them? Not really, to be honest. One, they're, they play too late. so like right, I They play really late, and I they can't are get a usually gauge. like... Uh, Usually, like, very fake teams. Yes, fake good teams. I I don't know. I don't have anything against them, but, like... I don't know. I There's, don't. I don't necessarily. One of my supporting. One of my supporting details was Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball's only year at UCLA. Larry Marketing. Um, it was Larry Marketing. And I forget who else is at Arizona, but that stacked Arizona team as well. These are two giants. Yeah, Trier, Alonzo yeah, Trier. Alonzo Trier uh, Kadeem Allen is also yeah. on that team. <laughs> Caleb Tarzuski. Like they got really good teams. Oh, man, really good teams. I believe they went into tournament number three and number five in the country. I got them all over my bracket. I got them taking people down. Then UCLA goes and gets absolutely embarrassed by Kentucky, and Arizona gets knocked out in the Sweet 16. Uh, okay, Sweet 16, Arizona getting knocked out. How about the uh, a couple years down the road? When they lose to Buffalo. Yeah, come on now. I had them as my champions. <laughs> they're fake. They, no, there's a lot of fake good teams like in the, the Pac-12. Pac-12. But they also churn out NBA products. And to me, when I'm looking at where does the <laughs> ultimate where does the ultimate talent go toward, gravitate towards, and clearly the Pac-12, granted that they, they have maybe an advantage of being the premier West Coast conference, um, so they kind of get a lot of those better guys who are who are coming from the West Coast um, and pipeline them in there. But I, I don't know. I think that you can really make a case for the Pac-12 uh, and you said the Big Ten. But if I really had to pick pick one, like you got to take this team, they're going to have to go the furthest. At least this year, I'm probably going ACC. The, uh, the Pac-12 added a couple new coaches as well between Mark Fox, Vic Cronin, and Kyle Smith uh, to – Cal, UCLA, and WSU. Mm-hmm. What do you, do you think that contributes to what we're seeing it, out there? It does. Um, it, it does contribute to it a little bit, but maybe not a little bit. It contributes, you know, to it a, a, a you know, a lot. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal's son, you know, Shaq's son, Sharif O'Neal, mm. was going to be That's at true. was going to be at Arizona, still a Pac-12 school, but transferred to UCLA when Arizona got hit with their, their scandal, and a big reason was the coach that they brought in. Um, you know, he's from the LA area, but another big reason was that coach that they brought in to UCLA. So I think, you know, look, the, the vendetta I have against the Pac-12 is purely personal. Like, they really haven't done anything to warrant them being like a, a bad conference, but 
I just don't like the Pac-12. Yeah. McCronin actually has UCLA playing really well. I've o- I've always liked McCronin. I got to watch a couple of his to call a couple of uh, the games that his team played against Temple. They were always super well coached, and he had them playing and punching above their weight class. So, you know, coming from Cincinnati, yeah, Cincinnati, right? Um, so yeah, a, a very good coach, and he'll do well at UCLA. Right now, they're four zero. I think a, another conference that gets overlooked a little bit, especially for basketball, is the SEC. We know them as such a great football conference, but. They haven't always been that good. They've been really, really Kentucky has been the one carrying them. But last season, they were tied for, you know, the most teams sending to the tournament. And you had teams like Auburn make a huge run. You know, Auburn was Final Four bound. And, you know, now you look at last year, you had Tennessee, who had a lot of time spent at number one. LSU, who had time spent in the top ten. Obviously, you had Kentucky and Auburn. There are great teams down there in the SEC as well, um, and I think the SEC is starting to get a little bit more of notoriety when it comes to college basketball. Yeah. Quick shout-out to uh, the uh, American Athletic Conference, Why? who, now Why? that McCrennan has left, they have become an absolute Absol- dumpster fire. Oh. <laughs> no, I have nothing positive to say. Temple's been, like, good under Aaron McKee. Like, you already thought I was going to plug Temple. I thought, well, I thought, you, were gonna, I thought you were going to try to make the AAC better. Oh, no, God, no. To God, try, no. To, to, God, try no. to, like, you know, <laughs> They have one. Memphis is, like, obviously their one shining star. And uh, as we'll talk about in a little bit, James Wiseman, somewhat breaking news, right? He was That's suspended breaking. for 12 games today. Um, we'll get to that later. Right, we'll, we'll get to that in a little we'll bit. We'll get to that later. I- I'm also taking the Big East. That is 100% biased. Nova fan, I go to the Big East Championship every year. But the Big East, you want to talk about top-heavy? The top of the Big East is really good. And if you don't believe me, ask Michigan State, who nearly got upset by Seton Hall what, a week ago when they went up to New Jersey to play Seton Hall with you know a bum Miles Powell who still dropped like 32 on their head. He's um, impressive. Like, he, like the Big Talk East is be- between... Bro, Xavier looks nice right now. Between Xavier... I have ties to Xavier. Marquee. I had a, um, a great uncle who used to be a priest at Xavier. Okay. We kept in the Jesuits. I went to St. Joe's. Yeah, we were mm. rivals for a little bit. But no, Xavier's pulled... What, they're 4-0 right now. Yeah, they're Xavier, good. I Xavier's know. undefeated. Marquette's undefeated. Marquette's nice too. No, I mean, Nova's having a little bit of a down year. Um, um, but I mean, on any Nova's still a top twenty program, so on any given night they could beat anybody in the country. Yeah, I, I do like Xavier. It's a good call. Um, oh, you're one of them, what? Xavier, not Xavier. I know it's so bad. It's so bad. <laughs> I also have a, <laughs> no. I have a friend who's named Xavier, and I call him Xavier. Xavier. Oh, no, like no. so, if it's a person is named that, I call them Xavier. Here we go. No, see, he wants to be called Xavier. No, well, no, I think he's wrong. <laughs> I think he's pronouncing his name wrong. Um, but yeah, there, there's a lot of good players in uh, the Big East. Jake, as I well. love when you transition and you can't think of anything else. So you go, um, yeah. No, what I'll do is I'll hit, <laughs> I'll hit um. She really pointed out a, a huge flaw in your game just now. No, you. Well, I, well, I'm, 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 I'm evaluating. <laughs> yeah, no, he had, a, he had an even cringier one. Oh, boy. He had, it just was a, I'm not going to call we're, him out on air we're not gonna go. and, and say what he did. <laughs> I go, um, but. I, so we listen for to, that, guys. We went facts from, listeners. For those of you who didn't listen to last week's episode at, at the Buzzer, we were oh, talking about funny. pop culture and how we were talking about hot girls and pop culture, and then Stat Matt uh, fluently transitioned to, to something very serious in politics and, and, and it was like the most Bolivia. lopsided <laughs> transition I've ever heard in it was life. really funny that's all brand for Matt though it was really funny um, but but I mean we just highlighted some players within these conferences and we haven't talked about this yet so I think this is a, a good time to bring this up but you know let's talk about the, the Wooden Award and Naismith Award 
you know, watch winners for the season, who, who are you looking for to, to bring that award home? So, in my opinion, it's going to be tough because I don't know if he's going to be able to win it. And we alluded to it a little bit earlier, but James Wiseman, he's going to miss. Number one recruit in the country. Yeah, he's going to end up missing at the minimum 13 games. He missed uh, their most recent one and then 12 more. But he has an efficiency rating of 47.7, okay? Just to give you an idea, when Wilt was uh, averaging 50 and 27 rebounds, he had a PER of, I believe, 31. I'd have to yeah, check. There. Perfect, maybe, maybe, maybe 31 is his career average, but even so. A perfect PER is, what, 50? Something like that? Something like Either way, this kid, Wiseman, I mean, he's a difference maker. Already, immediately, freshman walking in the gym, you could tell just by looking at him that he is, you know, he's a monolith of a human being, but... I, I I I'm when it comes to bigs in the in the NCAA. It's I was hard. all over Aiton, and now I'm all pause. I'm now I'm all <laughs> over pause. pause again. Yeah. Uh, James Wiseman, as as he should be though. Not only just watching what he was able to do in high school, which is the reason why he's the number one recruit in the country. But when he came to college, those first three games, you know, I was, I'm watching Memphis play their first three games of the season, and I'm watching James Wiseman do everything all over the floor from scoring to rebounding to assisting on all three levels on the perimeter and the mid-range and especially commanding the paint down below three blocks and, he, and he's really <laughs> he's really good and what i think was ultra impressive is you know in a recruiting class that had six five-star recruits coming in six five-star recruits he's still able to stand above the rest and be the odds-on leader of that memphis team we see a lot of people coming to the fold even when zion came in last year was clear cutting away the best quote-unquote best player in the country when he came in with rj uh, and cam Reddish, there were games where zion wasn't didn't clearly look the best player on the floor there were games where rj looked like the best games where cam Reddish looked like the best i'm not saying that's a bad thing for duke but i'm saying for james wiseman it's ultra impressive that he didn't he, I don't want to say he hasn't let that happen, but has allowed his play to still rise above all of his, you know, all of his freshman counterparts at, at Memphis. I've got two actually, uh -huh. and um, they're both from Michigan State. I'm gonna let you try to guess who I'm thinking. One's about. Cassius Winston, of course. Correct. Uh, and the other one is Tillman. What's his first name? We were just talking about it. Oh, what's his? First it's really bad. I forget his first name. Xavier Z or Xavier, yeah, depending Zavier how Tillman, you who you're talking right. to. Yep, but yep. Uh, to Jake, it's Xavier. To me, it's Xavier. <laughs> just call him. Like, all right. If you shorten his name, do you call him? Hey, Z. No, no, you don't. You, you don't him, shorten yeah, what's it. What's going on, X? <laughs> or do you go? What's going on, Z? No, X because it's the first letter, not the first. Bro, sound. you just don't shorten it. You just don't. You just this say over, it. Uh, this is over my head. Here. <laughs> <laughs> why? Why? Why are they on your wooden wooden watch? Please put Jake out of his misery. No, I mean they just—they're on my radar as well. Besides, I—I I don't disagree with you guys either, with the other two. I yeah, just—I I think I, they should be also in contenders. They, um, to me, it's funny. We actually were talking about this off camera too. Is to me, Cassius Winston is is the best overall point guard in the country. To me, one of the best players in the country, but his stats will never show it. I mean, he's going to be a consistent seven, six to seven, 16 to 17 points a game, probably eight to nine, 10 assists and a couple rebounds a game, which isn't going to fly off the screen to you, but just the way he's able to command Michigan State, the game is never out of control for him. Like he's always under control with the basketball, under control of the flow of the game. And you can see he just is way more seasoned than anybody else on the floor. Um, he's not going to be like a high draft pick. He's probably going to go ladder 20s, 
late first round, maybe even right. slide to early second round. I think his brother just died but too. His brother, I didn't, his brother, do we know how? Sad. I didn't read into did it. He, oh, his brother, yeah, yeah, yeah. his brother did just two like uh, like a week ago, if yeah. that, inside of a week ago. So prayers up to him and his family. Um, but it just even speaks to even more of the man he is. The mentality uh, he has yeah, to yeah, now the, have. The, yeah. the character and the person that he is. But, I mean, Cassius Winston right now, I'm not sure of his exact numbers on the court, um, but he, he's just a, a very solid player for Tom Izzo and company. Um, and one last player who I think that we should mention would be... Cole Anthony of UNC. I think he's actually probably the favorite. He's probably right the favorite now. right now. Um, out of Oak Hill Academy, he's averaging 27, 7, and 3 with two steals. Um, you know, he's filling, the, he's filling it up out there. 34 point game to start the season for Cole Anthony. He's he's a little different to me. He's going to get every single opportunity that he wants in North Carolina. Like the, the game, the other players we mentioned have to play within a, within a team, within a system. Cole, that team goes as Cole Anthony goes. Um, there's a little bit of a drop-off after him. Uh, they lost a lot. North Carolina lost pretty much all of their best players last year. Kobe White went to the NBA. Um, Luke May graduated. Uh, you know, they, a, lot of, a lot of players left that North Carolina program. So Cole Anthony steps in as the driving force of that offense and that team. Now he's doing, he's doing a lot with it. Um, but he's if Cole Anthony wants to take 23 to 24 shots a night, no one's going to stop him. He reminds him. me of another guy with the last name Anthony, yeah. just chucking that thing just at chucking the rim, it bro. Up. Yeah. You got it like him that. Him and Mello, just like that. All right, I'm tired of listening to y'all. I want to hear from our fans. Let's head into our mailbag segment. Um, for those of you who are not uh, too keen on our mailbag segment, that is where we ask our fans to kind of input a question for the week and we answer them on the fly so do you guys want to start off with uh we'll start i have one it actually comes from our dear friend mr stat matt who is not with us we miss you in studio but sent a question i was going to say from the great beyond i won't say that but oh my god just sent us a question let's listen hey guys this is stat matt here sorry couldn't make it in today my question is about james harden He's currently averaging 39.2 points per game this season. The non-wilt record for points per game in a season is 37.1, which was set by Jordan in 1987. Will he pass that this season? Uh, one, you can hear how sniffly he is. I knew Literally he was going to say something to get under his skin. A whole nose uh, is stuffed up for Stat Matt. We appreciate him. Uh, still sending a question in. I think the funniest part of that question... You feel some type of way about James Harden, right? I do feel some type of but I do feel some type of way about James Harden. A little a little bit. Um, I'll answer his question. I think the funniest part of it was he had to say non-wilt. Like right. non-wilt. That's the thing. James records. and I talk about this all the time. If you want to have a discussion about greatest of all time, greatest scorer, most rematch, dominant, right, whatever. Most dominant, whatever you want to do, you have to exclude Will. Like, well, he's the outlier. Because if you if you put Will in, there's, there's no discussion. There yeah. is there is none. It, his numbers literally don't make sense. So, is he going to beat the non-Will points per game record of 37 in a year? Well, I mean, he's on pace to do that. Uh, I think that he's only ramping up his uh, sh- shot, or what, his three-point per uh, three-pointers per game, and then also how many times he's going to the free-throw line. I think he would be... I'm, I'm pretty sure if the season ended today, he would be uh, the most free-throws attempted per game ever. More than Wilt. More than any other player. He ever. averages 27 a game on free-throws and threes. Yeah, like that's like, just like... like that, that's that is, asinine. That, that stat really kind of encapsulates the Mike D'Antoni offense. And 
I don't know if it's as surprising that he's doing it now with Russell Westbrook in fold. I think maybe some people thought that that would kind of curtail how, how crazy he would be able to go with the three-point thing and, and with the ball dominance thing, but right now he Look, is on fire. Well, I, I don't think he's going to finish at 37. I mean, last year he finished at 36, so he wasn't, you know, wasn't too far away from it last year. I think he still finishes at that 34, 35 range. Um, I'm sorry. I need to break some news here. Ben Simmons has just hit a three. No, he did not. In an NBA game. <laughs> no, he did. did you just get an update for I that? got an update four minutes ago. Ben Simmons just hit a three. And <laughs> blood rushed to my head. I, I, thought, I got dizzy for a second. <laughs> now, now. We've gotten that alert from Bleacher Report before, and it's been I half wanna, I can't open it right now. <laughs> the fact that that's even... a report just that, says, it says something, speaks right? volumes to the subject. I can't even begin to process. Let's just how do you feel? We're talking about. How do you feel? You can take a 30 if you need a 30. I'm a little sweaty right now. <laughs> I don't know. This is everything that we need him to do. Obviously, it's only a... You know, one, one, three, and however many NBA games is a long road to go. But let's hope it's not one and done. Did he, did he hit it? Or did yeah, you know, he, he hit it. He hit. I, I'm just afraid that I'm going to open it up and it's going to be like a half court heave a half or something. Court end of the, it it ha- can't be a half court heave. I don't know. We'll it watch can't it be after. a three that he had to take. It has to be a three that he wants to take. I don't even take. care if, it, if it's end of the shot clock. Any right? It has to be a jump shot. How about that? I don't want him just throwing the ball at the rim because the shot clock's a little reach far away. Well, or if something. he's good at half court shots, he makes <laughs> the threes. Then he's good at half okay. court shots. All right. <laughs> We've totally so, de- that just totally derailed the yeah, my my. I'll I'll bring my point to a you know to a conclusion. I don't think he's going to hit 37. I think he'll stay around that 34, 35 point range because with the 40 point games comes the 12 point games and the 13 point games and the games where he misses 23s in a row and and those games it will it will even it out and remember when i said when they got russell westbrook i said in november december january it's going to be a whole lot of fun yeah a whole lot of fun <laughs> let's see how they play in february march and beyond yep absolutely all right uh i got one here from my guy jordan Cohn from work let's see what he has to say What's up, Straight Facts? This is Jordan, and I have a question about Tobias Harris because he was like near 40% from beyond the arc while he was in L.A., and with the Sixers, ever since moving, he's been down below 30%, 25% this season. I want to know if you think this is part of the scheme that Brett Brown has or if it's just a transition of moving to another city or what the problem might be with Toby. Toby looking, say it with me, Jake. Bad. Say you're just going crazy yeah, I'm on right that now. Team. Sorry. I, no, like here's the thing. I'm super objective about Brett Brown, but I do think that he has a tendency to just put his small forward in like the Robert Covington role. And James, you and I were talking about it. It's all well and good when you have Robert Covington being the guy that the ball gets swung to. He puts up a three. He goes back and he plays hard defense. Defense is not the strong suit of Tobias Harris's game. And I think they're doing him a bit of a disservice um, by not really unleashing him when it comes to on-ball. We were looking at the shooting statistics for Tobias Harris. He has 14 made three-pointers. Uh, 100% of those are assisted, meaning he's not getting into a rhythm. He's not doing the James Harden where he's pounding the ball, getting a shot, and then taking it and making it. I think that's where Tobias thrives. Um, usually he sits around 80% assisted, so he is a guy who will lay around the perimeter but you need to empower him a little bit more and uh you know what it, it just might not matter now that ben simmons is hitting crease, so. <laughs> oh, this is a point. Yeah. nothing else in the universe matters um but to answer your to answer your friend's point uh name a better player than tobias in la in the clippers right now 
when he was on the Clippers. Right, he was the best player. Exactly. So when you're the best player, you don't have to worry about either appeasing somebody else, fitting into a scheme. You go and get your shot knowing if you don't make it, okay, I was probably the best option to make that shot anyway. He's not that on the Sixers. Hasn't been ever since he got here. In fact, when he did get here, he was probably the fourth option, the fourth best scoring option on the Sixers. Right, but this year, I mean, like, who else do they have? Like, Ben Simmons, well, forget the three that he just made, but, like, he doesn't really create any shots I from got, the perimeter. I got you, but he spent a year and a half in the Sixers being that ancillary role and then was asked to, you know, with a big contract, asked to flip a switch and say, go get your shot night in and night out. I just don't think—he doesn't have that type of mentality where— f- Jimmy Butler had that mentality. Finally, I'm going to go get my shot. I don't care what these fools say. Tobias doesn't have that mentality. Tobias is cool in the corner as long as y'all are cool with me in the corner. Right, and that, well, we'll see if that changes. If not, we could see Brett walking out the door depending on how the season ends. But, Jewel, do you have uh, do you have one for us? I do. My buddy Mike from work. Here we go. Hello, how are you? Straight facts. This is a big Dolphins fan for many years. I had a quick question to ask. Since we put so much stock in Tua and he's now going out on injury, what's the likelihood of him returning for a Dolphins pick next year? First of all, big Dolphins fan. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> sorry. I asked him why he was a big Dolphins fan, too. What you know answer? what he told me? Dan Marino. Big Dan yeah. Marino guy. That's why, anyone's a, that's why my dad's a big Dolphins fan. Yep. Um, but I, I think I don't, like, it's really tough to sell in the NFL, like, tanking like the Dolphins have now been famously doing I guess uh if I were the Dolphins I would either if you're really a Tua you know heavy franchise I would just pick Tua and hope that it works out I still think that even without the mobility that Tua has he's shown that he has arm talent personally I'm a Joe Burrow's guy or a Joe Burrow guy I really also like Herbert from Oregon so there's a, this is a really good draft to pick a quarterback in, and if not, you have Trevor Lawrence coming out next year if you want to wait, um, or if Tua does stay and in, Justin, next year's draft will be And Justin too. Fields coming out next year, and probably Jake Fromm, because I can see Jake Fromm staying at, at yeah. Georgia and coming out next year. Now, his question was, what are the chances that Tua returns to Alabama after this injury? And I think they're higher obviously higher now after you know after the injury it's going to be a lot it's going to have to you know have to do with how he rehabs how he comes back after surgery and ever everything seems to be good right now um but you know i think that i think he'll be okay by the time the draft rolls he, around he should be but like that if he's not 100 percent, he's not 100 percent confident on it but it's like five five six months from now right yeah and it's, it's, this it, is but, a, it's a hip, but he dislocated his right hip. that's, that's not the thing that derailed bo jackson's career yeah. if it's derailing bo jackson's career you might want to watch out but i don't know i personally as a sixers fan love what the dolphin not love but understand what the dolphins are doing so gross this tank culture yeah well they're gonna end up with a really good quarterback and likely some really other good players to go with them, i hope so. the football gods do what they should they might they might all right, so before we get to the end of our episode, our guy Stat Matt did another deep dive this time on Kobe Bryant and his wrong amount of MVPs. What, let's see what Matt had to say. Kobe Bryant has the wrong amount of MVPs. He retired with one. It should be zero. Kobe should be remembered as the greatest player in NBA history that never won an MVP. Currently, another Laker great, Jerry West, owns that title. 2008, the year Kobe won the MVP, That MVP should have gone to Chris Paul, who at 21 years old carried a really mediocre Hornets roster whose second best player was David West to 56 wins and had four more win shares than Kobe that season 
And Kobe only won 57 games with Pau Gasol, future Hall of Famer, I should add, as his second best player. The only other year Kobe has a real argument for MVP is 2006 when he averaged an incredible 35.4 points per game, 5.3 rebounds, and 4.5 assists and carried an embarrassing Lakers roster to a playoff berth. I just want to add, in that playoff berth, the Lakers blew a 3-1 lead and Kobe quit in Game 7. Just got to throw that out there. And also, the issue of 2006's MVP is that it should have gone to the undisputed GOAT of the 21st century named LeBron James, who, also really young, he was 21 like Chris Paul was in 08, averaged 31.4 points, 7 rebounds, and 6.6 assists, had one more win share than Kobe that season, and carried an equally horrible roster with the Cavs to 50 wins, and made the second round of the playoffs before barely bowing out against a really good Pistons team in seven. Kobe fans should embrace what Kobe was, which is an all-time great player that just never was the best player in the NBA for a single season. Yeah, that's awesome. You Matt love doing, that. You I do love, love that. that. I don't know. I'm not so like a Kobe much. hater per se, but I... Whoa! whoa yes, you I'm, are. I'm a Kobe realist. I'm not a Kobe hater. Like, I'm realistic about Kobe Bryant. I think Matt hit the nail right on the head. Kobe Bryant was a great, great clutch player. Joel, and I have boosted. some fan I, I like Kobe Bryant for a couple of reasons. For one, I met him freshman year at St. Joe's. Okay, that's the only reason. <laughs> that's that's um, number one, two, first and foremost. Um, you, you'll like this one when the birds won the Super Bowl. His video was my favorite one out there. You mean the, his daughter? You mean the fake one of him pretending to be all of a sudden this no, big Eagles fan? he was excited. Like, he was a legitimate like but, he's from Lower Marion. Besides, besides Kobe Bryant wearing that Eagles jersey on the sideline, which he got fined for what in 2005 or something like that when he was injured with the Lakers, I have never once seen Kobe Bean Bryant ever praised the Eagles ever. In fact, when he was with the Lakers, he said he wanted to kill, what, <laughs> rip, rip, rip the hearts out of Philadelphia. Like He's exactly like every other Philadelphian. What are you talking oh, about? And he's flip-flopping exactly how every, we are all, <laughs> too. It fits right in. But no, I mean, it's stuff like that where I think, you know, people see the flash of Kobe and the flair of him and love to put him in the top five, top ten discussion. He may get top ten for me, but he's at eight, nine, ten. Right, right he's on the lower he end. He is not top five. Uh, good job, as always, by Statman. Of course. All right, guys, let's head up to the countdown. Number five. The number of NFC teams with eight wins. That's the most through Week 11 in the history of the conference, in the history of the NFC since the merger. We highlighted them before, but I need a definitive answer from all three of us. If you had to pick someone right now to come out of the NFC, who are you taking? Eagles. Oh my God! <laughs> no, the Niners, the Niners, oh the Niners. Jewel, who are you taking? Go ahead, just say him, because I know you want to. I, I, I want to, and I legitimately think that they're going to. The, okay, Packers. Say the Packers. I, I think they're going to pull that's, together, that's, wrap it up. Less ridiculous than me saying the that's Eagles. That's fine, but so that's still fine. Um, I'm gonna go to Seahawks. I still, I still believe mm. in Russell Wilson, and they got Josh Gordon, so I even more better. I can't argue. Number four. The number of players in NFL history with 3,500 or more rushing attempts. That's Emmett Smith, Walter Payton, Curtis Martin, and Frank Gore <clears throat> joining the list this Sunday, uh, or rather last Sunday, I should say. He is like a model of consistency. Hey, did you see that video that surfaced of him throwing hands at the speed bag? That's a compact dude Frank, right there, whoa. too, man. Oh, yeah, dog. Frank Gore, it, it, he doesn't get talked about nearly enough as he should, but I mean, that's. To me, probably now a top five, top six running back, right, maybe of all crazy? time. Good for him. Number three. Number of teams in the history of the AP poll era to win four consecutive games by 45 points or more. 
That's 1944 Army, 1972 Nebraska Cornhuskers, and now the 2019 Clemson Tigers. Um, I guess StatBat wasn't hearing enough praise from Clemson and had to throw this in there. But it's a good time to put this in there because a lot of people are saying, oh, Clemson doesn't have a good schedule. Oh, Clemson doesn't play anyone. How are they number three in the country? It's not just who you play. It's how you win. You can play down teams if you're beating them by 45 points a game. You're the number three team so in the stat country. Matt special right here hitting on his team. Yep. Number two. The number of players in NBA history to record a 40-point triple-double before turning 21 years old. That's LeBron and Luka Doncic. I'm going to say it one more time. That's LeBron. And so, I'm going to emphasize the... Let me, let, me, let me ask you guys, because we, I think, were all pretty critical. I know, James, you definitely were of Russell Westbrook kind of stat-padding to get his triple-doubles, do we need to have the same level of criticism for Luka Doncic? Because um, I think he does do a little bit he of the does do, he does. So, yes, we do have to be a little critical of it because I think a lot of it is looking at his statistics. He knows what you know what he's chasing, what his stats are, and I think he's going for those triple-doubles. To get a triple-double organically is one of the best things you could do as a basketball player. To get it inorganically or to be chasing it is probably one of the most detrimental things you could do because you're not making the right mm -hmm. basketball play. Well so Break down to number one. Number one is the number of QBs in NFL history to post a perfect QBR, perfect quarterback rating, which is 158.3 in multiple games in one season. That is Sir Lamar Jackson. And I'm glad this is in here. So we all know that Lamar Jackson is not just a runner. This man can throw the football. No, he's like indefensible. Like, what are you what are you gonna do to stop that team? Like, <laughs> like uh, no, seriously, because what, what do you No, seriously, like, okay, so they they're running these heavy sets where, you know, they're gonna have two tight ends, they got like three that they have and in some packages, and then Marquise Brown, you have to bring in extra uh beefy dudes to kind of contest with the run that's likely coming, but then Maybe they don't run. Maybe they bootleg. Lamar Jackson can take it. You have to watch out for Hollywood Brown. Like, we talked about the Ravens. I don't want to go too long on this, but they have done a great job of making themselves so hard to defense against. It's just, it's just really hard, game in and game out. But we're almost out of time. We get some shots up at the buzzer. Jewel's, like, already laughing over there. Jewel, do you have anything to say at the buzzer? <laughs> I mean, I know we've touched on this uh, in an episode before. But uh, James is very stingy, and he doesn't like to share Not his food. Not stingy. There's principle. There are. There's order in the world. I Go just want. than her calling. I mean, I just wanted to bring up the Friends episode that Joey doesn't care food. So <laughs> I want to give a shout out to all my Friends fans out there, and I want to say, James, you're a loser. <laughs> Look, and I, sharing is caring. As I well. have one rule. Not one rule. I have many rules. I have a specific rule. Do not touch my food until you ask. And you guys are both proponents of it. If you ask me first, I'm going to give you some. But if so you let me don't, get this straight. When I'm you get a girlfriend and she reaches for your chips and you're going to slap her hand away? Call, I'm not going to slap her hand away, but she's going to get, if you can't see this people on camera, she's going to get this look. Like, what is you doing? You're going to get a slap in the face. If Probably you give call up any one of my ex-girlfriends and ask. Don't, don't touch <laughs> my food. My mom's the only one that can reach on my plate without asking. And me. <laughs> okay. Jake, do you have anything to say at the buzzer? Uh, I'm going to another country concert. Uh, a little oh. begrudgingly. Yeah, I don't know. I actually like this this guy a little bit more. I really don't like country, but my girlfriend's essentially force-fed this, this artist to me. Luke Combs, he's coming to the Wells Fargo Center. Uh, I don't know. I'm, like, not, like... 
I, I was more looking on my tractor. It's a little bit like that. Honky tonk. Shaking my life. I'm not a country fan. You should, sorry. You should take, I mean, I, you know what? You strike I me like as a country fan. Why? Oh. Why ever do I strike you like a country fan? <laughs> you see me coming in here. That was really You literally see me walking in here every single week rapping like rap god. Like, why Why would you ever equate me no, to No, Jake, you a said it now. Fan. Now you must face the consequences of saying I'm such, like I'm like such, off such an seat. accusation. You Well, because I have blonde hair. You are a blonde white girl. And I mean... What a stereotypical It's comment. a little stereotypical, but uh, we're straight facts. We like to play the numbers here. So that's just true. I, let me clarify. Very good I defense. Very good defense. I, yeah, thank you. I appreciate all genres of music. There in fact, go. I even like some country, but I don't like to kiss Cousin Roll in the Mud shit. Like, that's yeah, like, no, no. I, that, that I will not No, that's do. where I draw my line. That, in, that is what I That's where I draw my, my line, line in the sand. Yeah, absolutely. Fair enough, fair I, enough. I can appreciate art in all of its forms. Except for country. Um, <laughs> the only thing really I have to say <laughs> at the buzzer is um, one of my friends, you know, my girl Abigail actually, you know, called me out and, you know, said that she needed a, a really good episode from me this episode. Uh, my girl Abigail down in uh, Alabama, University of Alabama, bringing straight facts to Tuscaloosa. So, like, Maybe so. I you can't talk shit about country music and then go talk about someone who you, this she's is, this from is up here. She just goes to University of Alabama. I wonder how much country music she listens. To. Probably all the time. Yeah. She probably can't escape it. But that's to be said. Ab, I hope I did you proud this episode. And uh, yeah, make sure you go and share straight facts down there. Uh, roll Tide. She so. basically. Uh, told you low-key to step it the fuck up. Yeah, no, no, not low-key. Like, that, those <laughs> she were, those was like, you gotta step it up, James. Those were, Make this those one a better were those one. Her exact words, actually. So I, My girl. I put some extra shots up in the gym, <laughs> and <laughs> hopefully I did. Well, how about this? You it. can let us know what you think. You can uh, rate and subscribe on Apple Music, or you or can subscribe. Oh, you can only subscribe on Spotify, but if you do enjoy us, we would really appreciate a uh, rating or subscription on either of those sites. That's a, it's a great way to end it. So it's the end of this episode. It was a great one. Big ups to Greg Barron and Kyle Sobieski. And normally Stat Matt behind the Still camera. Still Stat Matt. He put but, in work. But Stat always puts in work. Thank you, Statthew. So for my partner, Joel Schmitz. It's been real. It's been fun. It's been real fun. To my main man, Jake Galley. I am James Jackson. And these have been the facts. Straight up. Straight up.